Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball podcast brought to you every weekday in under 8 minutes. At the time of the recording, it is Thursday, January 11th at 11.52 p.m. My name is Josh Doring. On today's pod, Illinois picks up another Big Ten win. Mark Few almost gets victory 700, but Gonzaga's winning streak against Santa Clara is snapped instead, and Ford Atlantic survives on the road. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. The big game of the evening in terms of matchup, Illinois 71, Michigan State 68. It was not necessarily the Marcus Domask show, as it so often is, it seems like, when we end up talking about Illinois. Ty Rogers, 5 of 5 for 12 points in the first half as the Illini take the lead. He, Domask, and Coleman Hawkins all end with 15. Justin Harmon, Quincy Gurrier add another 10 apiece. Ultimately, this game was won at the free throw line. Michigan State was 5 of 7. Illinois was 18 of 22. Everything else was fairly equal. It was a back-and-forth game. Michigan State was just never able to make that sort of secondary run. They would get back close, get within three, get within two, but they never were able to take that three-point lead. And ultimately, it's Illinois who makes the plays down the stretch. This is an Illinois team that still has only lost at Purdue without Terrence Shannon Jr. This was not necessarily the best demonstration in terms of Ty Rogers was really good, but nobody was out there going for 25, 30 points like you've seen occasionally. It was much more balanced. But I keep saying this, and I continue to believe it more and more. The net loss of Terrence Shannon Jr. relative to Terrence Shannon Jr., the player, is just not that big. Because you had the capability of so many other guys who can step up. And at this game, it was really Ty Rogers. This team is still probably the second best in the Big Ten. Nobody else is really pushing them outside of Purdue right now. And they hold home court here, hold serve, keep their strong Big Ten start, their strong start to Big Ten play alive. For Michigan State, A.J. Hogarth took 19 shots to get 16 points. Michigan State got four points off the bench. Xavier Booker didn't play. And I'm just to the point where I'm wondering, when is he and Cohen Carr going to get a real chance? Because this is not working. It's one thing if you believe the best version of your team doesn't have those guys playing big roles because everybody else is playing so well. We've mentioned this multiple, multiple times beforehand, and I should also very quickly mention Josh Molnick's unable to join because of work responsibilities this evening. But we've talked about this time and time again. Last year's team was not that good. You needed something to elevate that team. And those players appeared on campus, supposedly. Now, maybe Xavier Booker just isn't good enough. There's a reason he's not getting a lot of playing time. But at some point, you're you're talking about the definition of insanity here by doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I don't see this changing. 
I thought it would early, and it's just become clear that it's not. And then you thought, okay, maybe that Baylor win's going to change some things, and it just simply hasn't. And it's to the point where they just need to win enough basketball games to make sure they get into the NCAA tournament because they're going to lose plenty of road games in the Big Ten because the Big Ten is a really good conference. And this was another opportunity to get a quality win on the resume, get some confidence, and another missed opportunity ultimately is Illinois beats Michigan State 71-68. The most notable result of the evening, probably. Santa Clara 77, Gonzaga 76. Gonzaga had beaten Santa Clara 26 consecutive times. I believe it was dating back to January of 2011. Gonzaga has also been in the AP poll 143 consecutive weeks. Obviously, the winning streak got snapped because they lost, and the poll streak is probably going to get snapped on Monday as a result. And by the way, Mark Few is going for a win 700, and he didn't get it. Steve Nash was in the building, got the Santa Clara crowd hype, and then the basketball game delivered as well. Santa Clara had a fantastic first half outside of their 11 turnovers. Gonzaga was just down six, and it so obviously felt like a missed opportunity that that should have been a 10-15 point game at halftime. Gonzaga went 15 or so minutes without hitting a three. Anton Watson had half of their points because nobody could score. They got demolished on the glass. Santa Clara would just simply outplayed them. But you can't let Gonzaga hang around, and that's what Santa Clara did because they turned the ball over. And sure enough, in the second half, Braden Huff, Ryan Nemhard come to life. They simply play better. They start taking care of the rebounding situation. Anton Watson continues to score points and ends with 32. And not only do they get back in the game, they have the lead on multiple occasions. It looks like they're going to find a way to escape with this win, as they seemingly always do in WCC play. And Gonzaga goes ahead. Adama Alpha Ball, the Arizona transfer, key player for Santa Clara, who was really leading their attack all night, as you would expect, draws the foul, misses one of the two free throws down to. Nemhard misses a free throw. Adama Alpha Ball comes back, gets an and one, misses that free throw, <laughs> and Anton Watson ultimately tries to pass the ball. Gonzaga can't get a shot off with, like, it was 4.3 seconds left after the free throw miss, and Santa Clara hold on for a 77-76 win. This is a good Santa Clara team. Pretty sure we've mentioned that before. They beat, you know, they beat high major opponents. They're one of the best teams in the WCC. This in and of itself is not a shocking result. The jarring part is just how poorly the season is going from Gonzaga relative to Gonzaga's own lofty expectations. Like I said, 26 consecutive times they've beaten this program, 143 weeks consecutive in the AP poll, and it looks like that's done. The first half was a reminder of just how reliant this team is on players who just aren't at the level that you expect Gonzaga players to be, they were nowhere without Anton Watson. The best version of Gonzaga teams, Anton Watson is a complimentary offensive piece because of everything he gives you defensively and his versatility, all of that. 
Not that he is an unimportant part of a really good Gonzaga team, but he is not supposed to be the guy carrying your offense. But he had to in this game. And to his credit, he did it. And then finally, Ryan Emhart got going a little bit. And, you know, losing your one of your key transfers before the season even starts, obviously has messed with this. Graham E.K. is in foul trouble all game, so he basically is a non-factor. That's part of this as well. Just about everything that could go wrong for Gonzaga went wrong. And they still almost won this game. But Santa Clara finally snapped the streak. Going to send Gonzaga to the unknown world of the unranked, it looks like, on Monday. So congratulations to Herb Sendik and his team. Really good performance. They're going to keep themselves in this at-large conversation and and in the WCC. Can they continue to build on this, win the games they're supposed to, and build themselves a really good resume? Because they've got some quality wins, including this one. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Keep your eye on this WCC race, though. Nobody has been as impressive as expected, and so it looked for a while like Gonzaga was just better than everybody else, which may end up still being the case. But Gonzaga is going to have to work with this, and this is not a Gonzaga team on the same level as years past, obviously. And no matter what, they always find a way to win these games in the WCC, and they did not find a way to win this one. Finally, another game that was nail-biter down to the wire, very, very entertaining, Florida Atlantic 85, Tulane 84. Elijah Martin gets fouled behind the three-point line with FAU down one. He hits two of three, had to have a little bit of suspense in there to get the win. Jalen Forbes, who had 28 points on 10 to 20 shooting and was phenomenal, was the one who fouled Elijah Martin. He had played from about the 11 and a half minute mark on with four fouls and had avoided picking up the fifth. Ron Hunter said, got to keep him on the floor. It was the right call because he just kept making big plays and kept getting buckets and didn't pick up that foul until the very, very end. But ultimately, FAU makes that one final play to escape. They just can't put games away right now, it seems like, for the most part. And that was the story here. They had the lead most of the way, and Tulane just kept hanging around, hanging around, made a couple plays, and all of a sudden, Tulane's got a real chance to win this game, has the lead, and then, to FAU's credit, they come back, make the play to get the win. This is a Tulane team that is one of the better teams in the AAC, very good offense, poor defensively so far this season based on Ken Palm metrics, but a talented offensive team that can score with FAU. They're also a team that's outside the top 100 in Kempom and the Netrun games. They were talking on the broadcast that that Dusty May has, was kind of saying that his team has acknowledged they have a hard time getting up for games. And all I have to say to that is one NCAA tournament run that, by the way, as Josh likes to point out, did not exactly include a gauntlet of a schedule with all of these stunning wins. Does not give you the right to be bored during the regular season. Oh, by the way, in a season you're playing in a new conference, you have not played it yet. 
it's not like they ran the table last season heading into the NCAA tournament. And I'm a big believer in this FAU team because they generally were very consistent last season. And I feel like I have been justified in that. What they did against Arizona, the way that they've shown up in the, the big games. This team is one of the most 15 or so most talented teams in the country. This team can get back to the Final Four. This team is also playing like a team that has no interest in the regular season. Which is incredibly disappointing to me because, one, it's a great opportunity for the AAC if they could have really gotten this thing going with Memphis instead of both teams struggling to start conference play. And also, let's see you do it at the highest level for a full season. Let's see you back up all the hype, because they're not right now. And it's not because they're not good enough. It's because they're not showing up every night. That is a controllable thing, because you've seen what they can do when they're at their best. And that is going to, as long as they get into the NCAA tournament, that is going to be the selling point. Is you know they can do it. And that's what they've been waiting for all season. But you got to show the AAC more respect than this. It's too good of a conference. And I know it doesn't have the same firepower without Houston in there. And you just saw what, what UCF did to, to Kansas. But... There's still good basketball teams in there, not named Memphis. And so FAU ultimately survive another shaky performance, though. Got to see if they can get some consistency before the NCAA tournament starts. And also, if they want to stay in the top 25 all season and have a beneficial seed, they need to, first of all, just win game road games in the AAC. And secondly, do it in more impressive fashion than they are right now because you're just leaving too much to chance. Two other things real quickly before I get out of here. My goodness, UCLA. 46-point loss to Utah. Almost the worst in program history. There really isn't much more to say other than that. <laughs> it's It's a disaster. And just when you think things can't get worse for the Pac-12, USC announces Isaiah Collier is out four to six weeks. The other team that things have not gone for well, well for this season in that conference. So going to miss a large portion of conference play pretty much the rest of the regular, you know, final couple weeks of the regular season, it looks like, is when he's going to be back sometime in there. Is it going to make that much of an impact for USC? Probably not, because this team just hasn't been that good with him anyway. The big development here, though, outside of not getting to watch him very much in college, because he's going to be a top probably five pick, at least a top ten pick in the NBA draft, is playing time, opens up at the guard spot, Bronny James is there. This is an opportunity. We're going to see exactly how much of this playing time actually goes to Bronny James, but people who want to see him get an extended run, more opportunities, unfortunate circumstances in the way it's happening, but this theoretically opens the door for that. So 
check and kind of see how Andy Enfield and USC are going to handle this. But Isaiah Collier gone for a large chunk of the season. That is the Under 8 podcast for Thursday, January 12th, recorded at 12.08 a.m. on Friday, January. Sorry, Thursday, January 11th, recorded at 12.08 a.m. on Friday, January 12th. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to shows and follow the Under 8 pod on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Thanks so much for being here, and we will see you next time.